The very first time Andrew Levitt walked into a gay bar, he was just 18 years old. There were two drag queens there, and I was terrified because I didn't have any exposure to drag. I didn't know what drag was. I think I'd seen it maybe. Oh, I'd seen two Wong Fu and the birdcage had come out before I had done drag. And I, so I just didn't have a concept really of what it was. This was around the time he was in college at Denison University in Granville, Ohio. And he ran the LGBTQ group there called Outlook. And in his senior year, he was asked to host one of their events. My friend Justin said, well, why don't we do drag for the show? And I was like, uh, okay. So <laughs> that was my first kind of introduction to it. And I never really thought I would do drag seriously. I never thought that it would be something that I would pursue after that night. And here I am <laughs> 20 years later. I mean, pretty much to the day, 20 years later. And what I do for a living, where I found my voice and my power and my confidence and my strength has been rooted in this art. Welcome to Business Curious, a podcast by GoDaddy about LGBTQ entrepreneurs on their journey from passion to purpose. I'm Scott Shigeoka. Today, we're spilling the tea on the business of drag with Nina West, the drag persona of Andrew Levitt. Nina West is a beloved Midwestern queen from Columbus, Ohio, and today we'll hear how she built a 20-year drag career with a whole lot of hustle, bustle, and six foot four inches of muscle. In 2001, Andrew graduated college and planned to move to New York City. He had big dreams of Broadway, but after the September 11th attacks, he decided to stay in Columbus and look for acting gigs there. And as he was looking for more chances to perform on stage, he turned to drag. Could you tell us the story about how you got involved in drag and what kind of queen you were in your early years? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what kind of queen I was. It's kind of still the same queen. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of messy. Um, I, I, uh, when I first started drag back in 2001, there was no YouTube. There were no, you know, makeup tutorials. There were no queens on television other than RuPaul. So the exposure to drag was really minimal. And you learned your art by other entertainers within your local community. Nina was welcomed into the local drag community by her drag mother, Virginia West, and others who became a part of her chosen family. And they supported her and cheered her on as she set on her own path in the scene. And to make ends meet, she worked her way up from a server to the manager of a local gay bar, and every cent she saved went back into drag. Soon, she was performing around the city a few nights a week. At first, it was a labor of love. I remember showing up and being paid nothing for shows and be like, oh, we just didn't have the budget. And that was in the beginning of when I started doing drag. And then it was a $25 paid out. Like, whoa, what I'm wearing alone maybe cost 20 bucks from the Goodwill, but I'm only now netting $5. But that doesn't even include the makeup, right? Or the time and the investment. Drag doesn't just happen. And I think that's what people, they see a show on television or they see these YouTube tutorials and they just think drag just kind of happens. You just kind of throw on your face. You just kind of put on your body and you just put on a wig that you pick up off the floor. I don't know where, this is a time consuming effort on everyone's part to do the art of drag. This is where Nina the drag queen had to also become Nina the negotiator. Money is a difficult conversation, and the people who have the power and hold the purse strings will oftentimes rely on you being uncomfortable in saying, 
hey, I'm worth this. But a really good business strategy is <laughs> you want to ensure that you know, I, I do good business. I know I have a track record of doing good business. And look at all these other people who I've done business with who are happy with the work that I've provided for them and the, and the results that I've given them. Don't you think that's worth something? The, the business of drag is always a negotiation. It's like really like any other business in this world. It takes everything you have to be a drag queen because it's usually a business of one. Drag queens are their own production company. They're their own writers. They're their own directors. Their own choreographers most of the time. Their own hair and makeup. They do it all. And top of that, they're their own business manager. To succeed and excel in this business, you have got to figure out how to wear all of these hats. And when challenged on one of those hats not being as good as the others, you have to learn how to fake it till you make it. And that in and of itself is hard. It is. This is not an easy job. While she learned how to better negotiate and stand up for her worth, the persona of Nina West was also evolving. Nina says, at first, she had a narrow idea of what drag was. Out of drag, I'm a 6'4", pound dude. I'm a big guy out of drag. <laughs> and I never found my voice or never got my footing, partially because the heels I was wearing were far too big. And secondly, because I was refusing to see that other types of drag existed when I first started. I really thought that I had to wear skin tight clothes and be beautiful and not be funny and not be, I think, all the things that I am now. She remembers the first time she saw a queen be funny on stage, the Columbus drag legend Marianne Branch. She was lip-syncing a version of Oh Holy Night, sung by the gospel diva Sandy Patty. She had this giant, giant, huge wig, kind of teased up, and she had the nativity nestled in her wig with candles lit on either side of the manger. <laughs> And she would do this thing every time when Sandy Patty would go up and hit that huge note. Uh, Marianne would raise up her skirt and she'd have these knee pads on. And she'd just fall on her knees in those big moments, like fall on your knees. And there was so much ridiculousness to it. And she's being something that I never thought I could be. She's being funny. And the audience is loving it. But I saw myself in Marianne. I could be funny. And I don't know why I thought it wasn't worthy when I first started. And I don't know why young queens still don't think it's worthy, other than it's a very difficult thing to do. And so, <laughs> you know, like, you know, I'm not good at being pretty, but girl, you're sure not good at being funny. <laughs> you know? Being a look queen only gets you so far, but funny lets you really connect to your audience. I remember doing this show in Columbus. I'll never forget it. Somebody had walked up to me and said, you know, I just lost my mom today to breast cancer and I needed to laugh. You never know what somebody in the audience has been going through or what they're experiencing and why, you know, why it's important to them right now in that moment. To Nina, comedy has always been about giving, whether it's giving someone joy or raising money for a good cause. In fact, my first drag booking that I ever got was then called the Columbus AIDS Task Force. They were the first organization to say, hey, will you help us raise money just by doing drag? And I was like, wait a minute, I can do that? 
it's the old adage, time, talent, treasure. You know, what can you give? And I was a recent college graduate. I was just trying to find my footing, figure out where the, where the hell I fit in and where I belonged. And here was an organization asking me to help. I could put into practice what I really felt. I didn't want anyone else to feel alone. You might remember that Nina's origin story begins when Andrew was in college. On campus, Andrew was openly gay, and over a period of months, he was bullied and terrorized. He started to receive intimidating phone calls and flyers slipped under the door. And on one harrowing night, he was forced into hiding after his dorm building was broken into and a group of men threatened to kill him. This was just after the murder of Matthew Shepard. The violence that queer people faced at that time was very real. Andrew didn't want anyone to ever feel as isolated and terrified as he did in that experience. And from that desire to lift up and support the community, Nina was born. My own life story was providing the the action plan for what I didn't know was going to be a giant part of my own story. I had no idea that this component of my life was going to be such a main pillar of who Andrew was as Nina. Since its founding in 2015, the Nina West Foundation has raised an estimated $3 million for regional LGBT organizations and community causes. So Nina is killing it as a queen. She won Entertainer of the Year in 2008, a prestigious award for drag queens in the pageant circuit. Drag had helped Nina buy her first house in Columbus. And of course, she had the Nina West Foundation. So no doubt about it, Nina had it going on. But one goal had eluded her for years, RuPaul's Drag Race. Nina wanted to be a Ru girl so bad, she applied eight times. That's eight application videos, eight rejection emails. And then one day, she finally got the call for season 11. I only quit my day job literally the day before I got the phone call that I was cast on Drag Race. And a few entertainers reached out to me who found out that I was on the show. Bianca is one of them. And really instilled in me, she was like, hey, <laughs> hey, yeah, no, no. <laughs> however Bianca would say it. She said, um, the work really starts once you're done filming. And so I think I was built for the hustle, right? I had been doing the hustle for 18 years prior to this. I think I was well-oiled and seasoned and ready to do all the work that was going to be required of me, even though I had no idea what that work was. I mean, I'd never done television, so I didn't know what it was going to be like. And when I turned into the walk into that workroom, there were like eight cameras facing me. And I was like, oh, what did I... Like, No, there's no like school of reality TV or no school of drag race. And there's no one telling you, here's what to expect. Why? Because they want to capture it. They want to capture it all. The sooner you give yourself over to the process and just settle into yourself and be yourself and paddle your own boat, the better and more successful you will be. I love that. Live your life as if there's eight cameras on you and not give Girl. a damn. You know? <laughs> 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 <That is crazy. laughs> It's been two years since Nina's appearance on Drag Race, and since then, she's had so many opportunities to travel and perform. She's been in commercials for Pantene and Pepsi. There's even a street named after her in Columbus. And with Bobby from Queer Eye, she's developing Nina's Treehouse, a children's variety show that's billed as a cross between Fred Rogers and Mrs. Doubtfire. I was not prepared for 
what a hustle it is. And Drag Race gave me a, a gigantic platform with which to jump off of because I don't think I ever would have been able to leave the country on my own dollar had it not been for a show like Drag Race. But it also does take a tremendous amount of focus, work, and dedication to the craft and to myself. I got to believe in myself and believe that I'm worth it. I'm curious, you know, what have you sacrificed in your personal life to make your professional life as Nino West succeed? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, it's sacrifice is such an interesting way to, you know, talk about it because I don't have any regrets. But the truth of the matter is, is that I have given up personal relationships to have a successful career. I've given up kind of, not necessarily forever, I don't believe that, but I've definitely given up um, dating relationships. I've made such an investment on Nina that I didn't want to turn my back on her, even with the prospects of falling in love. And I know that sounds so crazy, but the world of drag and how it intersects with relationships, it's really difficult. And, you know, I didn't want to date somebody that was there because they wanted to be a drag queen or because they were infatuated with Nina or because they wanted me to give it all up. You know, and those are real example, tangible examples of what's happened to me in trying to date other people. Are you are you open? Is your heart open? Are you like, if someone comes my way, like I am, I'm ready. Like, I, like is this now you? a date? Is this now like a dating game? I am so ready. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be standing here if it wasn't for drag. If it wasn't for a group of rebels and queer artists and people who said, "Yeah, you're one of us. Come be in our drag family." And that was the wonderful Nina West. I want to thank Andrew and Nina for telling their story. And thank you all for listening to this beautiful episode. And please do us a favor. Share it with your network. Follow us. Write a review. Queer your algorithm. Help us reach the ears of other queers and be on the lookout for all of the other episodes we have this season. We have some amazing stories coming up that I'm so excited to share. Thanks to Paul Christensen, Marla Lopez, Adam Palmer, and Jessica Hunter. This story was produced by Evan Roberts. Business Curious is a GoDaddy podcast. I'm Scott Shigeoka, and thanks for listening.